Hey everyone, Parker here from Daftpix. Season 3 will be dropping very soon, and we can't wait for y'all to hear what we have in store. But first, we have a preseason project. Over the next week, you'll hear interviews featuring myself and Chris talking about the show, how we get into hockey, and much more. Please enjoy the following interviews, which have been pre-recorded, and we'll see you for Season 3 in September. From all of us here at Daftpix, thank you for listening and enjoy the show. All right, so today uh, I'm going to be interviewing Chris here, the uh, little uh, brains behind the show here. Thank it, you for taking the time out of your day to be interviewed. Is that what we're calling it? Well, I'm honored to be here. Yeah, I'm honored to be here too. Fire away. All right, so what got you started on hockey in the first place? Well, as many people know, we are recording from Wilkes-Barre. Uh, we have the AHL Penguins here. But ironically, it was NHL 12. I uh, picked up NHL 12, had some fun playing online versus, and I sort of just started learning the players via franchise mode, played the online, got into the community, really started to like what it was about, and it took off from there. Okay. So <laughs> what do you think is what well, has been your most memorable moment watching hockey? Well, that's a tough one because... I kind of want to go the homer route and say the back-to-back cups, right? But I'm going to go a little bit different. Uh, I think it was 2012. The Penguins and the Islanders had the legendary line brawl. Jesse Bullerice, Eric Goddard, um, the goalies Brett Thiessen and Rick DiPietro fought. That was a really awesome moment. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, one that I still go back to, to this day because that was one of the greatest fights I've ever seen. It was when fighting was at its peak. Really enjoyed the way that it played out. It was one of those unscripted ones. You know, you could tell that there was just some genuine hatred. It, it fueled the rivalry and even today people still talk about the battle of the blind brawl. So that was really awesome. Alright, so you said the Penguins won the back-to-back Stanley Cups. Can you name the uh, top five scoring players from the Pittsburgh Penguins? In 2016. So the first cup. The first cup. So that was the Predator series, correct? No, it was the Sharks. That, yeah, it was the Sharks. <clears throat> okay, so just the Penguins? Yes. Okay, Sidney Crosby. Um, Phil Kessel. This is a tough one. Okay, that was the year we lost Dupuis. Uh, I want to say Crystal Tang. Something is telling me Justin Schultz. And my last one, uh, I got to say Evgeny Malkin. All right, so the top five here, we actually got three of them. Uh, the top five were Phil Kessel with 22. Sidney Crosby with 19, Malkin with 18, Nick Bonino with 18, oh. Carl Haglin with 16. Remember the HBK line? I forgot. That was this year. The HBK line was the next year. <laughs> well, it's okay. Uh, number six was Latang. Yeah. I don't know why I said Schultz. That was probably farther down the list. Uh, yeah, Schultz was... Was he even on the roster? <laughs> He's like... Yeah, he was like way lower. Okay. I mean, that kind of shocked me because I remember Schultz was pretty good that year too. I mean, I would have figured he'd be... Pretty high up there. Okay. Well, three out of five ain't bad. All right. Uh, so if you could make a line with three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie, 
using any players from this era or past eras, or even future eras, if you want to use prospects and stuff, who would you pick? All right. Um, I'm going to sort of bend the rules a little bit because one of these guys played center. He wasn't a notable center, but I'm going to bend the rules a little bit. Your, your forward line could literally be three centers if you okay. want. So I'm going to go with the arguably the best goal scorer of all time, Mike Bossy. Uh, Yari Curry down the middle. And my favorite all-time player, Luke Robitaille at wing. At defense, Scott Niedermeyer. And Paul Coffey. And as far as goaltending, I would debate between my favorite of all time, which is Felix uh, Potvin. But uh, I'm going to go with Johnny Bauer because I think Johnny Bauer is that much better. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, and pretty surprising. There's only one few, homer pick. Few uh, <laughs> kind of off-the-board picks a little bit. A lot of uh, not obvious picks, but when you think about it, are very solid. I feel like you pick players that just complement each other well and would play it together in a, that would play well in the system. I think Yari Curry is one of the best players of all time. He's top five for me, which is, I think, not for a lot of people, and I don't really understand why because he's up there stat-wise. I think a lot of people just forget about him. But... Um, as far as the rest, they all sort of, like you said, complement each other. I was sort of going synergy-wise, and the only one I left off was Vlad Trechiak because he never played an NHL game, but he is the best goalie of all time. Fight me. And you didn't even mention Gretzky at all. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not the best of all time, so... It's uh, Gordie Howe, if I'm being honest. All right. What, what makes you say that? Well... Even Gretzky himself said it. Gordy Howe is Mr. Hockey. Well, yeah, but any self-respecting player wouldn't call themselves the the best at the game. That's just humility talking and him Fair being humble. Fair enough, but most people do regard Gordy Howe as the best. You know, he played in four different decades, something no other player has or will do. That means he's played... He, <laughs> he played against players' sons when he played against those players when they were rookies, if you put that into perspective. I mean, he's just incredible. He played in three different leagues. He He's the all-time leader for the Red Wings in points, and he didn't even play there his whole career, which no other player can say. So that's why I say Gordie Howe. But going back to my players, yeah, I think it's hard to leave off the top-scoring right wing of all time, the top-scoring left wing of all time, and one of the best premier forwards of the what was it, 80s in Yari Curry. <clears throat> Very good picks. Some surprising very good, picks. Very, very good answers. You thought I was going to say Lemieux, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I, I thought so. I really did. Okay. But it surprised me. Uh, so, what's your favorite hockey movie? See, so, yeah, I'm not going to take the easy route and go, oh, the Mighty Ducks. No, I'm more of a <laughs> slap shot guy myself. I think slap shot's an all-timer. Slap shot. Ogie Oglethorpe. How do you just not love... Everything about that movie. The Charleston Chiefs? Come on. Not wrong. Good pick there. Uh, what's your favorite European hockey team? See, I go back and forth. I love Moto and the uh, Swedish Eskensen, but I'm coming sort of partial to the KHL because it's a lot of fun. I'm going to go with Moto, though, partially because I love Willie Nylander, and I think Swedish hockey is so much fun to watch. So, moto hockey for sure. 
What, what makes Swedish hockey more fun to watch than, say, like, uh, Finnish hockey or Russian hockey or Canadian hockey? Well, that's the thing is you separate European and North American because North American have you know smaller ice. They have the trapezoid. You play European hockey. There's no trapezoid. Goalies can roam anywhere behind the net. You have a much bigger ice surface. I think it's like almost 10 feet in totality larger with the corners and the end boards. It's so much more open. When you talk about European hockey, you're talking pure skill. There's a reason you aren't seeing a lot of hits or even fights. It's because the players to make those leagues at the top tier have to be good. So that's why you're seeing players like Austin Matthews, William Nylander, um, and Patrick Laine in just recent memory coming over from those leagues, training there, playing there. They're getting a chance to play with the best of the best while still playing essentially a development program because it's just that good. So you mentioned the U.S. development program. How much do you think that program has evolved over the years from when it first started? I think when you look at the way it's been built, um, the U.S. was not obviously a hockey market for quite some time. I think, I'll, sort of tracking a little off topic, when Gretzky came over to L.A., that's when U.S. hockey took off. But you see the impact it's had now. You have guys, like I said, Austin Matthews, who came up through the development program, Jack Hughes, all the Hughes brothers for that matter. Even going back farther, Zach Parisi. I mean, you're talking about collegiate hockey. You're talking about the national team development program, the NTDP. I think if you even said in 2000 that the U.S. hockey would have produced um, a first overall pick, people would probably not think you're very intelligent. And then Patrick Kane happened. Uh, yeah, Patrick Kane and then Austin Matthews. And I'm sure there are plenty of number twos and threes in between. I could think like Zach Parise was a high pick. Uh, the, was Jonathan Quick a high pick? I don't think so. I think he was like 35 mm. or something like that. Uh, but again, another good player. And you talk about the way the programs work. Canadian hockey, it's sort of ingrained in you from the start. You know, you are a hockey player if you play hockey in Canada. There's so many opportunities. Hockey in the States, even now, is not easy to get into. Like, you've heard probably Matthews talk about how he had to drive in the desert to go find a hockey rink. Like, uh, But it's becoming better. There are so many good college teams, so many good coaches... And the top down, that program is in good hands. I think it's John Van Beesbrook who's in charge of it now. And albeit he's a very controversial figure, but he's a very good he's a good example of what happens when you put time into these players who maybe aren't as highly touted as some of the Canadian players or even the Europeans. So that's my take on the U.S. team in a nutshell. Right. Yeah, because if you even look at this past draft, uh, two of the top five picks were players from the United States. That is true. Yeah. And speaking of the 2019 draft, could you name the uh, top five picks from that draft? I think so. Do you want them in order? Uh, I mean, sure, if, if you can. If not, then just name them. Okay. So it was Jack Hughes, um, Capo Caco, Bowen Byram, uh, Alexi or Alex Turcotte. Turcotte. And uh, Trevor Zagris. Uh, close. I knew I missed up somewhere. Uh, Jack Hughes was first. Right. Capo Caco was second. 
Kirby Doc was third. Kirby Doc, that's who it was. And then Byram was fourth, and Turcotte was fifth. And then Zagris was sixth. Okay, so I, I missed Well, Zagris was ninth, but... Oh, Zagris was not sixth. Yeah. Okay. okay. But Zagris, another United States player. This was the... And then, and then looking down... Uh, uh, Cole Caulfield. From, from 12 to 15, which was all United States players. Yeah, Caulfield, Bobby Brink. Um, uh, Boldy, Spencer Knight, yeah, Cameron Matt York. Yeah, Boldy, Spencer Knight, Cam, yeah, Cameron York, he's and, good. And all these players are from the U.S. development team. Yeah. All of them. You're seeing a lot more come on. Uh, so that's a, that's a good follow-up question. Yeah. Uh, so what is your favorite player, Selly? Well, I'm, uh, I'm pretty partial I think we talked about this in your interview, but Niall Yakupov has the famous one of him sliding out to center ice. I love that one, but Patrick Kane's heartbreaker. Has, has to be good players. I love the Patrick Kane heartbreaker. There's just something about the little like little snide and a little punch. I love that. I'm a big fan of flair. So that's, that's my pick. <laughs> All right. That's a good pick. I can respect that. So, uh, so you know a lot about the international leagues. Do a you? Fair amount. Um, is there a player? I mean, what is your favorite international player that is not in the NHL? So you're talking like, when you say international, you don't mean like national teams. You mean like playing overseas somewhere, correct? Yes. I know Pavodatsuk is not a valid answer. Sorry. Okay. So... There's a goalie coming up, and unfortunately, his name is slipping my mind. Um, you could Google it. Uh, I'm going to. There is a goalie coming up, and his name is, I'm going to try not to butcher this, Yaroslav Askarov. He's a Russian goalie. He is just sort of coming on the scene, but I believe in his first ever professional game in the KHL, he got a shutout. And then he followed it up with, I think, like close to another shutout almost. This kid's amazing, and I know obviously he's a prospect, and he'll be an NHL player soon. But for now, he's an international player. He's probably my favorite prospect. If we're going just international players, I have loved Dennis Godla for years now. If you remember, Dennis Godla was the goalie for I think the Czech Republic when they played Canada. He made like fifty some saves. He was like almost a tournament MVP up there with Kristers Gudlevskis, who you should know for being a Lightning fan. Yeah, uh, Team Latvia. Yes, had like he's also a close second. Had fifty three uh, saves against Team Canada. Team lost two to one. Yeah, so he, he used to be the Tampa Bay uh, third string. I, I'm obviously a little biased uh, to the goalies because I think it's a lot harder to make your name this young. But all three of them had pretty good career trajectories. I don't know how Dennis Goblin did not make the show. Goodlowskis just was a little too small. He's five eight. That usually doesn't work out for goalies. He he just. Uh, didn't play well in the AHL. Yeah. But then when he got called up to the NHL, he would play outstanding. But to fully answer your question, yeah, definitely Askarov. I'm excited about him. I think he'll be fun to watch. All right. And since we were both very biased towards goalies, um, if you had to pick any goalie from a era to play, well, I mean, from past eras to play in this era, who would you pick? From past eras to play now? Yes. Tough one. Part of me wants to see. Uh, see, I think a goalie like, again, 
cheating a little bit. Like, Martin Brodeur would kind of apply, but I'm not going to use him because <laughs> that's not really fair. I would love to see Johnny Bauer play because I think Johnny Bauer, he was like 5'10". He's very small for a goalie, but he was incredibly lanky and just is so good at his position. I think he set the standard for goaltending. He was a least legend. Um, on, he obviously passed away a couple of years ago, but he was incredible. He's on a stamp, so I'm going to say Johnny Bauer. Okay, that's a good pick. I was expecting something really off the wall. but I really okay. thought about throwing you one, like a really obscure one. Like uh, there, There's quite a few goalies I could have tossed you that were nuts. Okay. Respect. So, uh, so there's a lot of uh, player prospects that are currently in, in the AHL or the ECHL. Uh, do you think there is a like a player we should keep an eye out on this upcoming AHL season? Well. That's not necessarily a fair question, but I will answer it. So, okay, play any any player in any farm system that you could think of that you think. Okay, so there is can one. Can make an impact. There's one immediate player I could think. Actually, two. I look at the Leafs. I like Timothy Liljegren. I think he's going to be me too. Excellent. Um, I do also like the Leafs because Jeremy Bracco. He's been a name bountied about for quite some time. This could be his year. I don't know that he's going to be an 80-point player, but I definitely see a 60-point guy. Very similar style to Tyler Bozak. Um, I do like him. And a Constellation Prize, I don't know if he's in their development system quite yet, but I'm going to say Jake Ottinger from Dallas. I think he's going to make his mark. Just to sort of stick with the goalie talk. All right. I actually really like both of those answers because those are also two players that I'm really keeping my eye, my eye out on. They're definitely going to surprise a lot of people, I think. Yeah, Andre's going to be set up to succeed once Bishop leaves. He'll be a good mentor, too, because, again, U.S. development program and another U.S. development program player in Ben Bishop. So that's yeah. a nice little connection. All right, I I think that's just about everything. Do you have anything specific you'd like to say? Maybe something about like the CBA or uh, anything? Well, we referenced the CBA and how it's going to end. I believe it was in your interview. We talked about it. And um, I really hope that they can come together. I the, the date for them to opt out is looming. I'm really optimistic that both sides are going to at least not choose that opt-out. I do believe that they're going to let it expire naturally if it comes to that, but there is some optimism on, on both fronts that there will be a deal. One thing I do want to add is there are still quite a few RFAs unsigned. Patrick Laine, Mitch Marner, Braden Point, even Jake Gardner was a UFA, so very strange summer so far. Not really sure what's going on, but it's going to prove interesting going into training camp. And that's my uh, closing comment, if you will. All right, well, thank you very much. And for those of you tuning in to Daft Picks, be sure to tune in next week for Season 3. And we will be bringing you uh, some more things like this with some of our more frequent guests. We'll be doing a couple more interviews this season. Um, we like to say that Season 3 is probably going to be our very first season because there's not a lot of learning left to do. We basically have an understanding of what we're 
about. We hope that you do as well as a listener, and we're excited for you all to hear our, our best work thus far. So, um, as always, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show today, and we will see you next time.